Good morning, heart and soul. Good morning. So we are on our adventure in faith. And if you were with us last week, you got to see it in motion. You got to see it unfolding real time. Um, our intention is to do, to have more of that energy. I don't know what we're going to be doing or exactly how we will do it. <clears throat> Pardon me. Our intention is simply to do whatever it is we do to have it generate similar energy, similar level of engagement. So today you got me. <laughs> That's just how it works sometimes. So look, on the... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I love y'all. <laughs> so look, this is our show enough adventure in faith and our read for for this trek for this adventure in faith what we are using to support us in this is dr daniel morgan's um, guidance for a spiritual journey and my prayer is that you have been reading it that you've been engaging it in whatever way really works for you whether you have i haven't I'm going to ask you to meet me on May 4th and May 6th. Those two readings, I'm going to ask you to, to review. I wouldn't mind if you just called yourself studying it. For kind of, because I'm going to come to you about that in a couple of weeks. Okay, so we're going to, we're going to kind of pull over, park, <laughs> simmer. We got all kind of little uh, metaphors here going at the same time. And we're just going to steep ourselves in his guidance for a spiritual journey. Yes? Yes. So May 4th and May 6th, I'm going to be blending those two. So meet me there. Do whatever you need to do to come across those specific ones. If you don't have the book and you haven't been doing it, ask a friend. Ask somebody from Heart and Soul if they can't get that for you so that you can focus on those two, okay? If you've been reading along, you already know, and you're like, oh my goodness, okay? See, I, never mind, let me not go there. So look, here's where I want to, to, here's where I want to start. I want to start with T.S. Eliot. And often, you know, I'm a words girl. Um, one, you, you already know I stuttered, and so I, that means translation, because I don't stutter as a, as a way of speaking always like I did when I was a youngster. So what that means is that I must focus on words in a way that people who have just been, who have spoken fluently don't have to. So I really, here's what I've noticed. My mind reads ahead to find words that I can't pronounce. And when I say that I can't pronounce that, because not only did I stutter, but I had a speech impediment. And so there are still words that give me grief. And word people who are around me a lot know that. <laughs> and they know that, they, I think sometimes they can see me choosing another word. Because here's what my mind will do. It will see that there's a word coming up that I'll have difficulty with. And so my mind will support me in finding a synonym 
that I can replace. So sometimes I'll be reading a quote and I'll realize that's not a word I can pronounce right now. Not that I don't know it or I don't know how it's pronounced, but I won't be able to pull it off. And sometimes if there's not a synonym, like sometimes it's someone's name, and I'll just have to get y'all's emails and texts later, is how that usually works, a call or something to help straighten me out on how it should have been. But often it's not necessary, and sometimes I don't know. Let me just be clear, it's not like I know it all, and I'm just, but sometimes it really is that there was nothing that I could do in that moment to have it come out accurate. Does that make sense? So because I have this relationship with words and speaking words, that means words impact my life in a very powerful way because just with what I've told you, you know, this is like a vulnerable moment because y'all not out telling people your stuff like this. <laughs> You're not getting on mic and thinking of, now what can I just share to get people all up in my grill, you know? So what it means for me is that Words impact me in a way. I have a really personal relationship with words and how they come together. So I will often give you affirmations. Now, if that wears you out, I apologize, but it ain't going to get better. Because there are quotes, affirmations, words I will string together in a way that absolutely transform my life in a moment because I can see something more, okay? So I'm gonna invite you to, to have an opening in your heart mind so that you might get some of this. This would be like, you know, a dish I'm serving, and this is such an odd, because you know, I, don't, this is, <laughs> I just give them as I get them. But even I understand that this is not likely to happen. I'm gonna be preparing no dish and serving it and you'll be looking at it wondering what it is and we'll be having that conversation. But we're gonna use this as an example. So I have prepared a dish for you and your first response is, I don't know what this is. I don't eat stuff that I don't recognize. And there's something that awakens in you that makes you aware that that is a very limited way to live life because you can only recognize that that you've already been through. So if you're not open to a new possibility, now I'm not saying you need to be eating something that I cook, <laughs> that you don't even recognize now. I'm just, I'm just, you see what I'm saying, don't? Because sometimes y'all just say stuff to me that makes me know that you didn't really, you don't really know me. You didn't really understand what I meant when I said that. I'm not really talking about cooking. I'm talking about us being open and available. And so my good friends do not have to see me later and chastise me about even bringing up an idea about cooking because I think I used it well to make the point. Mission accomplished. So here we have T.S. Eliot. And T.S. Eliot offers us this this morning, that your present circumstances do not determine where you can go. I'm wanting you to breathe this in with me. That your present circumstance, whatever it is, however you got there, whoever you think is responsible for it, however long you've been there, it cannot determine what happens next. You determine what happens next. 
Now, how you interact with it, what you think about it, how you respond around your perception of your circumstance. And allow me to say what used to irritate me when the elders would say it, just live long enough. And I'd be like, you know, there's nothing you can say back to an elder when they're like doing that, but I'd be all back behind them, my face fixed was a number of thoughts. Like, what does that have to do with what I'm talking about? And now I've had enough birthdays to realize it has everything to do with it. Just live long enough. And that thing that you are on the floor thrashing about, about around, you won't even remember what that was. You don't remember their name, where you were. You won't, none of that. Somebody will tell you about it. And I don't know if y'all have this happen in your life where a friend will say, remember when you were? You're like, no, me? But where were we? And you just, ha I have no concept of that. And you want it to be that way. You don't want to live your, all your tomorrows out of yesterday, out of forever recalling the yesterday. So he's saying that your present circumstance, whatever you think you're going through, whatever that is that is coloring your filter right now, that that cannot determine in and of itself it can be a determining factor if you label it such. The moment you say that, oh, well, tomorrow I'll only be able to because yesterday. Now you have determined that that has power, the power to determine what happens next. Is this making sense? All right. So he says that your present circumstance can merely determine where you start. I have never been so attracted to or felt such an affinity for the word start, <laughs> except in this affirmation. It's a quote, but I'm using it as an affirmation, yes? Because it merely determines where you start. This is kind of a, what you talking about Willis moment? Where I start? You mean I can start? I don't have to like carry this on. This is not a you may, you know where I'm going. I made my bed, so I'm going to have to lay in it. What you, you mean I can just start something new? I can brush myself off. I can rinse myself off. I can move on. I can start something else. You better come on with that truth. So T.S. Eliot is starting us off, I think, well this moment, this morning, yes? <clears throat> Pardon me. So I want to hearken back to our flow, my perception of how we flow in consciousness. And you know that we've mapped it, and I've remapped it and remapped it, and this just happens to be the current iteration. And so where I want to hang out for a while is in this lower left, the number one. And I want to remind us that we all are there at some time. You may be there right now, and if you're not right there right now, you may be, here, may be there before you leave the room. And if it don't catch you then, it may catch you on the way to brunch or on the way back from brunch or during brunch. You see what? It's, it's really fluid. There is no inoculation against having a sense of being put upon. And I would say being feeling put upon is the beginning of the spectrum that ends at I've, I'm a victim and all of the thoughts in between. 
The truth is that we all go there. The key is how long are we going to stay and how are we going to move out? How are we going to start? You see, because the determining factor is how you start from there, from the place where you perceive yourself to be. How do you start into a newness, yes? Yes, so this idea I think represents shifts in mind. The map is mapping shifts in mind. And I'm gonna say, I usually call the mind the heart mind because the mind is not the brain. And our feeling center is not the muscle in our chest. So it's, it's this combination of what I call the heart mind. It's our ability to know our capacity for knowing and feeling. And let me just say, in a Neville kind of way, when those two come together, synced up, the thing is on. There is no... There, the thing unfolds of its own, of the power. It's as if you've launched it. You know, just officially launched a thing. Your business, relationship, your health and well-being, whatever it is, once you put your heart-mind together, once that's in sync, the way you think of it, the way you feel about it, what you know about it, when you're grounded in that, the thing, don't, it, we don't even need you to no know about this. The work is really be, has been done at that point. Now, if you have never done this, if you've never focused in this way, if you don't understand this, this can be akin to gibberish. And you think you have some examples that you can lift up to prove that this ain't so. And I would say do not waste your time because it is true. The question is, are you open enough to see the truth? Are you sufficiently available so that you can discern how this has worked in your life before? I don't, I believe that no matter how low one perceives their place right now, you know, their circumstances, whatever is going on, the diagnosis, the prognosis, the whatever it is that's going on in life, I believe for the one who is willing, they can focus and discern a time where they can see this truth. And to the extent that they're willing, they can fan the flame of that recollection and begin to see the current moment through that filter. Thank you, somebody understand. Thank you very much. So look, this notion of mind shifts, and this is what we're going for. When you, when any of us is in, and I don't need to bring y'all into this, when I have been in a victim consciousness, and Lord knows I have been, I've had a trek where it felt like I was on the victim tour. I was just appearing places. You know, like one of those Chitlin circuit tours where you're just going everywhere, all back in the cut, everywhere. Just appearing places is the victim. <laughs> Performing my victim song list, doing the victim dance, all the things. 
And I'm sure there were folks in the audience saying, I know she know better. But I didn't. In that moment, I could not get to the truth, enough of the truth, to shift. So this notion of shifting one's mind is really mind training. I think calling it mind shift is, is not, doesn't strike the right chord. It's more than just like you waiting for the shift to come. This is about mind training. And in truth, that phrase doesn't really resonate for me. It's the truth. But there's something some of us have, are, are a little, um, uh, it awakens, it triggers a little something. Mind training, what you talking about? What you getting ready? But it really is. It's from the inside out. And so my sense is that as we go through this, I'm going to be doing my mind training. And my mind training will probably happen like all Mike, and it, I'm going to call it coaching so that we don't have to just be looking at me. And have, we're going to call it a case study, exactly, and do that. We're going to call it probably a lot of things just to, but you, I'm going to let you behind the curtain. It's Oz. And none of this really happened. It's all happening on the inside. Dorothy, you never left home. All that is your imagination. You working it out through you. So this notion of working it out through you says that there is a path. And so I have this sense that my path forward has to do with me making choices that support the kind of outcomes I want and reminding myself that I am always at choice. So this particular visual, this image, is really a peek inside me and my process and what I'm thinking. So at a particular point, I was aware that there was an incident that I how do I even, what, uh, that the way I interacted with the incident is to let it wear me out. It's to let the incident kind of run my life. Let the incident determine, even though nothing can determine what happens next until I say so, I acted just like I didn't know that. And let the incident just drag me all around. And now, having said that, some of y'all already thinking, can't no incident drag you around. My perception of the incident. Now, here's the thing that I'm going to say to you, and I know I'm not the only one. Once you invoke and assign power to whatever you think happened and however it happened, you often, we, the royal we, often have to prove we're right. That's the truth. <laughs> so I was hurt and dismayed. Well, I'm not really looking hurt nor dismayed. I'm going to have to fix that, won't I? Because if I intend to pull this off and show enough be the victim, I'm going to have to look hurt and start acting dismayed. 
or it's not going to be a believable drag. I'm a, oh, don't act like you don't know. You have to get into full character. You can't stay depressed while you dress fly. So you're going to have to pick something less fly. You know when you go in there and get those other shoes, the depressed shoes. Because you have to set the drag up in a way where it's believable. I'm not doing my hair today. I'm just going. That's going to help with the look. Because somebody's going to go, what? what's going on? Otherwise, they're not going to pay you no attention because you're looking fine. Well, how you, what's the point in being depressed and victimized if don't nobody know? <laughs> See, I'm just trying to reveal something here. This is not just a little personal experience in that lower left quadrant. You don't need a ball and chain. You get the ball and chain so people can see that you locked into something. You poor baby. What happened here that you all chained up? Well, what happened was that I went online and bought me a ball and chain and hooked it up and then sat out here publicly so y'all could ask me about it. And I could then begin to present the story in all of its versions. Yes? Okay. So here I'm reminding myself of how life got to be the way it is. So walk with me just for a moment here, I think. So there's the inciting incident, whatever it is. It's the purple thing that is, oh, Lord, it was that. You had to be there. Oh, it was awful. You don't know. And because you don't know, I'm going to have to give some staging, some, I'm going to have to present myself in a way to give you at least enough clue so that you can ask, what happened? What's going on? And I might not have a conscious awareness that that's why I'm choosing as I'm choosing. But I can tell you nobody is just a victim in silence and in secret. It's more of a public. You know, I need somebody to know I've been victimized. I need to gather just enough of a jury so that I can feel vindicated and righteous and all the things because I'm really setting up, you know, I'm going to be here a little while. So I want community, folks who agree with me. I didn't know they would do that. How could they have? That's what I was thinking. How could they have after all I've done? Just we have a little, now we got a party. We order refreshments. And we set ourselves up in that lower quadrant. but only one of us gets the ball and chain. You know, the one who needs the attention for that. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the incident has happened. But look, you don't just like autumn incident, automatic lower quadrant, lower left quadrant. You, you gotta make some choices. <laughs> and you're always a choice. So this, this image is the way I sense it, that the incident happens, but now I have choice. 
I can respond, which means I can move towards, I can sense this, I can see this through a filter of and an intention and, you know, whatever words you choose that would be about peace and joy and faith and trust and surrender and just ownership. I can own this. What's my part in this? But sometimes you're like, I don't want to think about that. I didn't have no part in it. It's all you, you know, I need your attention focused someplace else. I didn't have no part in it. I can't, sur I was already surrendered. And this is what happened out of me being surrendered. You. So sometimes we always have this choice, but sometimes we just don't want to make that choice. So instead, we're in reaction mode rather than responsive mode. And in reaction mode, we're attacking. We're, we're standing for some control in this. And there's got to be some blame, because I know I'm not responsible for this. I can't victimize myself. So we just go identify who, what, when, where, and how. There's some fear. And defense has to be, because at some point, somebody's going to accidentally say, well, couldn't you just? You'd be like, no, I couldn't. You don't even know the story. As if knowing the story would change the truth, because it's just a story. And you got to make some assumptions. And judgment has to be fully present in this. So there truly are two paths. Ask me how I know without asking me out loud. And how we choose often is, see, when we make the choice, none of this is um, necessarily audible. You know, it's an inside choice. So you're not speaking it, but I'm going to give you a clue as to where you're going to head. If your question, as you have the incident, the inciting incident, and you are just, oh, Lord, you're clutching your pearls. You just are, Lord, you, oh, my Lord, how did, ooh. If the question, if what comes to mind is, what is wrong with me? Or any variation on that. Or what is wrong with them? How could this happen to me? How could they do any of that? You realize you are in reaction mode. And where you're headed in order, in order to pull that off includes all of what I, the attack, the control, the blame, the fear. This is just where you're headed. If, however, the question that comes up for you as you are clutching those same pearls is, what can I learn from this? You know, sometimes I just, this is the one thing I can tell you that I have drawn from Ooh, it just went out of my mind. But the quote is, God is my witness. I'll never be here again. The Southern Plantation movie. Gone with the wind. Thank you. Thank you. That's what it is. That's about all I can tell you from there is God is my witness. I'll never. And that's, that's that empowerment place. That's that there's something here. I'm going to learn this. Because there's no way to not repeat something unless you 
have learned, have moved past it unless you can move beyond it. And the way we move beyond as humans is we learn something, we know something more. Then we're empowered to do something different, to approach it in a new way, to respond with a new awareness. Oh, this is, oh, this wore me out just getting here. This is not, this is my life <laughs> laid out here. Oh, I should have kept this in my house. Yeah, yeah, okay. I got to get off of this because it's working on me right now. Ralph Waldo Emerson says, as a man thinketh, so is he. As, as she thinks, so is she. As they think, so are they. And as we choose, so we are and so is nature. Our world. So it's not, it's an interesting thing because in reading this, we want to edit it because we want to modify nature in a way to make it more personal. And so is his nature. So is her nature. So is it mm -mm, nature. Your universe is formed out of how you are thinking, what you are thinking, not some isolated thought that you had when they announced the lotto winner. Not that one thought like, I ought to, here's what I would do. Not that one thought. But it is the composite of your thinking. Does that make sense? It's the, it's the train of thought with multiple cars headed in a very specific direction based on your energy around what you have been thinking. You know, it's the rootedness of your thinking and your thoughts, yes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in A Course in Miracles, it just makes it so plain, saying nothing real can be threatened. Nothing, this is like the core of A Course in Miracles. This is the root, if you will that nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists, herein lies the peace of God. Now, I already know that some of us, that's like gibberish. I already know. Because you cannot be in the lower left quadrant in consciousness and understand this. You must, you must be in another mindset. So it's all right. None of us can get everything from where we are. From where we are right now, what we can get is the mental, emotional, and spiritual equivalent because that's what we are the magnet to. That's what we can draw to us. So it's okay, we are where we are. And wherever we are, that's what we draw to us. Just set this as an intention. To somehow, somehow come to the awareness, come to the open heart, mind, that nothing real can be threatened. And the knowing that nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God.
I remember decades ago now, I felt really threatened that someone was going to, through a legal process, be able to um, get money that I claim that was mine, money that I had worked for and had, and I just, they said they would, and I just went into fear, absolute fear. I was just, I could, I just, I, I can't even speak of it. This is the first time I've, I've spoken of this. And um, I was with Reverend Dr. Michael Beckwith, and he said something to me. I remember this. He, said, he asked me something, and I just started crying. And he was like, what? And I said, this is what's happening. And I remember he was totally unfazed. <laughs> totally. That's what I noticed the first thing. Because at first he was like, what? What's wrong? And when I told him, he essentially said, can't nobody take what's yours. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Like, no, I understand what I need to. No one, if it's yours, nobody can take it. So you need to decide. Whose is it? I'm like, what you, what you talking about? I don't think you understood what I said. Because you're not acting like you. And then I was just like, I know this. In that lower quadrant, I could not access it. What I was accessing was what somebody said and that was now was a threat. I was a victim and It's like, what you mean? And when I was able to draw into myself this awareness that nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. And I don't, I don't have to lay it out for you. But what was real was that it was mine. What was unreal that that threat had any teeth whatsoever. It was just, I don't know what it was. I had made it some, but it was just, I don't even think they, they went on about their business. And once I got that, I was at peace. I don't Okay. All right. We're getting there. We're getting there. I didn't mean to take this long to get there, but we're getting there. Um, no, I don't think I got time to do that. Okay, so look, well, no, I don't, I just don't, I just don't. So look, when I think about how complex things are now for young people, for some of us and for young people, because there was no social media. Whatever I did as a teenager, there is no video. <laughs> Whatever I did, whatever I said, whoever I did it with, whoever I said it about, there is no video. Praise God! <laughs> There's no video. I don't ever think for a moment that I'll look up and there'll be video of me at Berkeley High doing anything other than pom-pom. 
I think there is video of me as a pom-pom girl. And I'm like, whatever. But beyond that, so we have a culture now that records everything and it invites opinions. And I'm in the pulpit, so I'm not gonna quote the aphorism about opinions. But some of y'all who know it can help, can help people understand that everybody has an opinion about something. And most often, it's not relevant to your life and the forward motion of your life in a beneficial direction. Yes? So, look, Stevie Wonder has a song that wears me out. Within it, the lyric says, hate's going round. Now, hate is, by definition, a strong aversion or intense dislike. It implies an emotional aversion that's often coupled with malice. And we see this played out in social media just a lot. Suffice it to say, a lot, yes? So the lyric is, hate's going round. Yeah, it is. And Stevie sings, breaking many hearts. Stop it, please, he says to us, with just a plea, before it's gone too far. Now, some would say it's already gone too far. But if it's still going, and it is, it hasn't gone as far as it can go. So it's still relevant that we can't let it control us because he says, if we let it destroy everyone, we must all take precautionary measures because if love in, and peace is what you treasure, he says, then you'll hear me when I say, love's in need of love today. So look, when we flow in consciousness, and we do, we're always, that's, we're like in the soup of our consciousness. We're like fish that don't, can't recognize that they're in water. It simply is our environment. It's what, it's what's in our mind. It's what's in our heart. It's what's in our awareness. It's how we are. It's all of that. So look, I want to, I want to just isolate that lower left quadrant for you so that you, so that we can righteously kind of focus on it and acknowledge that our state of mind determines how we experience life. Our state of mind determines how we experience life. So remember when I was talking about earlier kind of our victim drag, you know, how we, how we set ourselves up as victim because otherwise my belief is we'll accidentally flow into being just fine. We have to kind of remember it. You have to kind of have a playlist. You know, when you have a breakup that has, and my heart, sorry, my heart is broken. He said, he said, I don't know why I did everything I could have done. And we just, well, you know, you can't maintain that and listen to a playlist like we're going to play here. 
you really have to pick some sad songs. Some songs about somebody doing you wrong. And go, sing. Because you, it requires some reinforcement. We as humans by nature are in the flow. When you watch children, you'll see that it can, they can just be, oh, so, you know, joyous and happy. And then something happened and they're just like, their life is just over in that moment. And then it's like, oh, I got a, oh, there's a puppy. And it's just, and then it's like, oh, but you, I can't be with the puppy. And oh, that's just awful. And then it's, oh, and there's a cat. You know, it's just, so we as humans, we just, so you have to work is my point. In order to stay in that quadrant, you have to just really work. You got to not accidentally play some other music. You can't, if you, you see what I'm saying? If you accidentally put on your empowerment playlist, you're not going to be able to hold on to the breakup. Energy, the energy of I'm wounded and I'll never get over him or her and them. <laughs> and so we'll listen to, we'll go to the places that, the places in the physical and the places in mind and heart as well to help us stay there. And so look, when we're in that quadrant, what I want you to see, so it's, it's larger in, in this slide where we have isolated that lower, that lower quadrant. What is, what is Brahman looking at? What is the little, it's not a male, what is the image? What is the individual? What are they looking at? Exactly. Exactly. This individual is not looking out at anything. Not looking up. It's looking in. And my sense is the only way you can stay there is if what you're playing on the inside reinforces what brought you to that point. So it's either it can be thoughts of, I deserve it, but it can also be thoughts of, I didn't deserve it, and so now it's even worse. Is this, any of this making sense? What is true is that this is a place of ignorance. And ignorance is not a bad word. It's not like calling somebody stupid. It's not. It's the absence of knowledge. It's you don't know what you don't know. You don't know that you don't know. So in that place, you're kind of lost. You're absent a clear understanding, an education, which, which speaks to kind of a way to do the thing, like how to move from this, how to not be at the effect of whatever it is you think happened. And I have to say think happened because many of us, once we're on all of us at some point, have been on the other side of what brought us to just tears and ball and chain and victimization. And then, you know, could be a month later, could be six months, could be six years, could be several decades. But there's a point at which we realize it was not at all what I thought it was. Any exceptions to that? Anybody who can't give testimony to you know, having been in that place where, yeah, you knew it all and it was exactly this and what they did or didn't do or said or didn't say, and then you get 
removed from that by days or decades and realize not so much. Not so much, yes? So in that quadrant, I think that when we think about, so how do we move? How do we move? How do we change our state of mind? My sense is that Romans 12 and 2 lays it out for us. And my sense is that Romans 12 and 2 is so widely known, you know, just as a, as a snapshot sense of it. And so I've given you three different translations. In the King James, which is what I think we hear most often, is, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what may you, sorry, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The American Standard Version, which is the version that um, Ernest Holmes tends to quote most often, and it's, it's one that I appreciate as well, it is, and be not fashioned according to this world. Can you, can you feel how that could land a little different for different people? To be conformed to this world, to be not fashioned according to this world. This sounds like what my mama used to say. I don't care what they do in that house down there. I don't care what, the other, what your classmates are doing because you're not fashioned from that. Don't be forming you out of what they're doing down the block and across the street. We doing something. We, what we're doing is what we're doing. And I don't really want to hear about what they're doing because that don't have anything to do with you. So this is the mama version of scripture. Yeah? But be ye transformed again by the renewing. This stays steady. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change your mind. Quit looking just into your hands trying to keep seeing the same stuff over and over and trying to hold it in place. Be willing to be transformed by the renewing, by the retraining, by the shifting and changing of your mind, by the fluidity, embracing the fluidity of life in and through and as you. And then in the Peshitta, which is in uh, Aramaic, this is the translation that says essentially, and do not imitate this world. Don't be trying to do what they're doing in the world. That ain't you. Don't imitate it. So there's a whole, there's a whole, well, there are industries now for everything that just feed our insecurities. So don't imitate that you are so wounded that you can't move past that. Because for every wound that any of us could declare, there's somebody who has a story of how they got over. How they had that same trauma plus some. And they moved past it, through it, above, rose above it. Yes? So it depends on what we're looking for. Do not imitate this world. But what? Be transformed by the renovation of your mind. So maybe transformed by the renewing of your mind. Doesn't quite do it. But the renovation of your mind. Come on, HGTV. We got the renovation of the mind. We're going to do, 
what do they call it? The open space. Look what there's a word for that. There's a term for that. The open concept. That's what we're doing in the renovation of our mind. We're going to have the open concept now because we've been closed to the quadrant. So in the renovation of our mind, you're saying to the designer director, a la you, we're going to do an open concept. We're going to see things from a different vantage point where you can see it all, the divinity of it all. And from there, scripture says, ye shall distinguish what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And I'll say it very simply, it's that you be all right. And to know that you are all right, because you're already all right, but it would be that you have an awareness that right where you are right now, you are whole, perfect, and complete. As Alan Cohen affirms, and I'm going to ask you to repeat this with me, I release the past to make way for a brighter future. Let's say it together. I release the past to make way for a brighter future. Yes. In releasing the past. I'm, this, let me tell you, as, as I build this message to bring to you, I'm struck by Michael Jackson's man in the mirror. Because he says, I'm starting where? Exactly. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm starting with the one in the mirror. Whoever's reflection is right there when I'm standing there. I'm asking that one to change his or her ways, his or their ways. And I love this. No message, no message could have been any clearer. Here's the message. When I open myself, remember Romans 12 and 2, that when we are willing, we, it's revealed to us what is right and good. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make I'm going to say the required change. Choose to make a conscious, intentional, and beneficial change in your life. Yes. Here's the thing, baby. You're not out there by yourself changing. Because everything must change. Everything must change. Everyone must change. You can sit there with the ball and chain if you want, but you're going to have to at least shift legs. You're going to have to, at some point, you're going to have to adjust your neck. You're going to get somebody to put the ball and chain on the other ankle. You, go, you, you understand what I'm saying? You're going to have to do something different. Even if you just insist upon staying right there, you're going to be like, oh, my back hurt. I'm going to have to get on the other hip or something. Everything must change. Nothing stays the same. There may be many things in life you, can be, you can't be sure of. But here's one that you can be sure of. Only by giving are you able to receive more than you already have. Now that's one of those that if your consciousness is not anywhere in the ballpark of abundance and prosperity, this is gibberish. This won't make any sense, and it sounds like I'm trying to get something from you or whatever. I'm talking to the folks on the vibration where they can really hear this, that only by giving 
are you able to receive more than you already have? That in knowing this, one realizes that life truly is better. This is my truth. That my life truly is better when I am generous with my time, my talent, and my treasure. So here's the thing. This is the point in the service where we invite you. We're not really asking you to give. We're inviting you to do that that supports the expansion of your life in all the most beneficial ways. That there is a true benefit to you hearing this invitation and being responsive. There's a benefit clearly to heart and soul. There's no question that there's a benefit to heart and soul. But allow me to tell you on behalf of the folks who have made it their, a part of how they live their life, giving of their time, their talent, and their treasure, that the benefit to them, the quality of their life and relationships, their health and well-being, and the prosperity, because their mind has expanded around what is possible. My life is truly better when I am generous with my time, my talent, and my treasure. I'm going to ask anybody who agrees with that to repeat it with me, please. My life is truly better when I am generous with my time, with my talent, and with my treasure. And so it is. Me in prayer. So just breathing in the goodness in this sacred moment, I give thanks. I give thanks for the presence of the divine in, through, and as this service at Heart and Soul Center of Light today. I give thanks for all who had a hand in making this experience possible. I give thanks for the transformation that is taking place and will continue to take place. Giving thanks for God as source and provider of all and knowing that all truly is well as we move from this place to our next experience of this day that we arrive to our destination safe and sound, knowing that we are held in the arms of the divine, forever sheltered, forever loved, forever protected. Grateful for this and so much more. We allow it to be. And so it is. Amen.